Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have a Bible, you might be opening it to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, and we're in a new series now entitled Wonderfully Made, where we're looking at the theology of the body and understanding that our bodies tell a story. I appreciate Frank leading those songs. I know it may be a difficult series to choose songs for, but he really captured the spirit of this series and some of the songs that that he led us in this morning. And so last week we established this foundation for understanding the body. We, We looked at what God created is good. This principle is a major theme in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. God has given us taste buds. He has given us eyes to see ears to hear, noses to smell things. And so we can appreciate the the beauty of God's creation. We sung about that this morning. We can smell the flowers. We can hear the songs that the birds sing. He has given us bodies to experience this life. And all of this is good. We looked last week uh, about what is a human being. Human beings are body and spirit. And so we are neither angels nor animals. We are not solely spiritual beings that must deny the desires of our bodies. Nor are we bodies without spirits that can do with our bodies whatever it is we want without any consequences. And so having both a body and a spirit is what makes us human. As we talked about the goodness of creation last week, you may have thought to yourself, Yeah, but as I look around, everything is not all good. And if you thought that or if you noticed that, then then you're correct. And you're not alone in this thinking. You do not have to have a Christian worldview to understand that something is not right in our world. What has happened? What went wrong? And so this is what we're going to talk about this morning, and we want to begin in Genesis 3, and so I'm going to read Genesis 3, verses 1 through 8. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the tree of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. We often call this part of the scripture the fall. This is because the the introduction of sin here forever changes the world. And so before the fall, there was no death, there was no disease, there was no pain, there was none of those things. 
And we see here that the fall not only impacts humanity, but it also impacts creation as well, that thorns and thistles appear for the first time after the fall. Adam's work, which he enjoyed before, becomes labor. And so the fall corrupts God's good creation. What is wrong with the world? It is that we live in a fallen world and that sin has corrupted what is good. It has influenced how we think and how we understand ourselves. This is why when we become Christians, we are told to change the way that we think. Romans 12, 2 states, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to the ways of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so if we want to know what is good, we have to align our thinking, we have to align our minds with the will of God. And too often, we as human beings want the opposite. We want God to align his thinking with our wills. Now, the problem is that God's the one that created us. He designed us. He knows what is good for us. He knows what we need. We ourselves do not even know what is good for us. Because when we try and rule our lives, it goes terribly wrong. This is why Jeremiah, the prophet, famously uttered these words, I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. We need help. We need assistance. We cannot do life on our own. We hear two messages. We, we have the word of God, what God is telling us, and we have this message from the world. And so which will we listen to? Which will we trust? The world does not care about you. It only cares about itself. The world is vicious and unforgiving. It will cancel you as soon as you disagree with any part of their agenda. The world uses and abuses. And if you're not aligned with the world, then they're going to leave you behind. Now compare that with God because God created you. He gave you life. He provides for you and blesses you whether you agree with him or not. He causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. He came to earth, took on flesh, gave his body for you on a cross, and not just for you, for everyone, Amen. even for his enemies. And he wants to redeem you. He wants to give you an abundant life. He wants a relationship with you and for you to enjoy the goodness of creation as it was meant to be. And when these two choices are, are compared side by side, the answer seems obvious, and yet we continually choose the lives of the world over the goodness of God. 
And this is especially evident as we read about the goodness of creation and God's design and intention for the human body. Genesis 1:27 states, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The world says there are many genders, but God says there's two. And children in our country are facing a mental health crisis. And there are multiple reasons for this. Technology, social media, isolation, polarization. All of these contribute to the problem. However, another cause is identity. And we have made identity complicated and confusing for kids. And we've moved further and further away from God's good creation. And our children live in a world full of lies. And we not only face problems regarding how we understand and view our bodies, but we also face problems with how we use them. Genesis 2, 21 through 25, tells the story of the first human couple. And this passage presents the model for all couples. The text says, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman. And because she was taken out of the man... And therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. This model is reaffirmed under Mosaic law and in multiple passages in the New Testament as well. It's the model of goodness. God desires that a man and a woman give themselves to one another for life. Homosexuality is not a model of goodness. It's not how God designed us. It's described in the book of Romans as unnatural. And this is not just my opinion. It's not an interpretation. It's what the Word of God says. It is what Christianity has affirmed for 2,000 years. It's what the Jewish people have affirmed for over 2,000 years. And it's only recently that God's plan for human sexuality has been questioned. And this is not because of new discoveries in the text, but because the culture and the world around us has changed. And so as Christians, we must decide between the world and what is plainly stated in the Word of God. And this is not unloving, it's not unkind. It is God revealing to us how we were created. It is God sharing with us what is good. It is God trying to guide us into the ways that we ought to go. The fall not only corrupted our understanding of gender and what we do with our bodies, but it also corrupted how we view one another especially as it relates to sexuality. The, the, the image of God within us 
has been corrupted because of the fall. And so we are not who we ought to be. And Jesus comes to redeem us. And so when we choose to follow God, we begin to be transformed into the image of Christ. And we commit to following Jesus. And as we are doing this, God is working in us through his spirit. And part of the transformation, part of the redemption of our minds is to see people as God intended us to see them. And Jesus deals with this in the Sermon on the Mount where he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, I I, I hope to unpack this for you this morning because this verse has confused many over the years. And some even view it as impossible to obey and therefore it should not even be attempted. But this does not make sense since Jesus is, is quite interested throughout his ministry in, in his followers doing exactly what he says. He even ends this sermon with that. He talks about the wise man who built his house on the rock. And so Jesus wants us to take him seriously. He wants us to put into practice what he tells us to do. In fact, this is what it means to be a disciple. We are people who listen to Jesus and then do what he says. It's helpful to understand what's going on in this part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is getting people to look past these outside laws, uh, what we do to keep up appearances, and and to look deeper, to look at the heart of the law. He he wants us to examine what makes us who we are and, and what leads us to do the things that we do. This is part of the redemption process. I can easily go throughout my day and not murder anyone. But if I have hate in my heart, then I am far from the person that God created me to be, and I need to be redeemed, not just on the outside, but on the inside. We can easily not commit adultery. But Jesus is interested in how we view one another. Now, what Jesus is not, is not condemning, is admiring the beauty of another human being. We know this because God created our bodies as good. We are image bearers. Our bodies tell a story. Our bodies point beyond us to the one who created us. And so if the body of another points us to God, then that body is doing exactly what it was created to do. Okay, so we understand that. What is Jesus condemning here then? He is condemning when we look at the body of another as less than the image of God. He is condemning when we look at another person's body as an object. To objectify the body is to lust after it. Much of what goes on in the entertainment and advertisement industry in our country is objectification of the body. It's not admiring what God created, but it is taking God's good creation and I'm going to use it to sell something. 
I'm going to use it to get views. Now, another way we misunderstand this passage is that we think that marriage takes care of lust. We think that because you know, we're married to another person, that we can view that person's body however we like. We can lust after that body. But this is not true either. We're not to view our spouse's body as an object. We are to especially see our spouse's body as something created in the image of God because marriage is a holy sacrament. It is something that should point us and point others to God. And so the objectification of the body um, is something that does not point people to God. Marriage is supposed to be this, this perfect union of body and spirit. I know we always don't live up to that, but that's the goal. That's what it's supposed to be. And so we are to image God in our bodies. We talked about that last week. But we're also to image God in our marriages. And this is what's being talked about in Genesis um, uh, 2. It's, it's also what Paul references in Ephesians, that the two flesh become one. Now, what, what does this mean? Well, it has a couple different meanings. There's a physical meaning, but there's also a spiritual meaning. And if we only embrace the physical and reject the spiritual then we're back to acting as animals. We get a sense of what Jesus is talking about a little bit later in the Gospel of Matthew when he explains why he speaks in parables. And so here in Matthew 13, 13, he says, that is why I use these parables, for they look, but they don't really see. And so there's a difference between looking and seeing. Do you want to be looked at or do you want to be seen? To look is to lust. To be seen is much deeper. It is to recognize that this is a person created in the image of God. This is a living human being comprised of body and spirit. This is somebody I cannot take this person lightly. I cannot treat them as an object. I must be careful how I speak of them. I need to respect this person because they are an image bearer. Their very existence points to God. Do we understand this difference between looking and seeing? It's not a minor thing. And I know most of you... Um, probably didn't expect to come here this morning and, and, and receive a sermon on sexual ethics. But, but I hope you see that, that what I've had to say goes beyond that. And, and it gets to the very nature of who we are and who we are created to be. Some of you are here this morning to honor your, your mothers and to support your wives, and, and that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I'm, I'm glad you're here. So let me end with this for all the mothers and all the women who are in attendance today. Here's your Mother's Day gift. Now, I want us to understand that, that lust is something that can be done by men or women. But I want to speak to the men right now. I want to speak to the husbands, the boyfriends, the fiancés, 
I want to speak to the sons and grandsons who will one day grow up and get married. I want to challenge each of you to see your partner, to see them, not just look at them. Your wife, your girlfriend, your fiancé is not an object. They're not someone to be lusted after. They're a human being created in the image of God. So don't look at them. See them. And when you do this, your marriage will be better. Your relationship with God will be better. You'll be living in such a way that will point other people to God. And so do this for your wife, your girlfriend, your fiancé. Let it be your Mother's Day gift to them along with whatever chocolates and flowers you got them. I hope you got them something. Give them the blessing of seeing them as God wants all of us to see them. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we bow before your throne this morning. We thank you for your grace and mercy. We confess that we are not perfect people that we often fail, that we often do not live up to the standard that you have given us. But we thank you for this standard. We thank you for the wisdom that we receive through Holy Scripture. We thank you for revealing your goodness to us. And may we continue to walk in these paths. May we see other people the way that you would like us to see them. May we be a light to those around us, an example of your goodness. We're so thankful for Jesus who shows us what it means to be an image bearer. We're thankful for his example and his sacrifice, and we pray this in his name. Amen. Won't you stand now and receive this charge? from 1 Corinthians. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. If you're here today and you need to respond to the gospel, if there's something that we can help you with, won't you come now as we sing? This is my God.